Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Good evening and welcome to Winners and Losers from the LFC Day Trippers. We need a new intro. Um, it's it's lost all its shine. It's all. Where's the Leeds representative? I'm not. Where, I'm not oh, happy Joe, about I'll this. I get, get fucking Leeds in for you the next one. I, promise. <laughs> I was watching it, thinking, I wonder who he's picked for Leeds. Yeah, but Joe, if I was to pick someone from Leeds, I would genuinely pick a caricature of you in a new tracksuit because you love new tracksuits. Um, but look, it's the it's winners and losers. Um, usually when we come on here, we pick a couple of winners, we pick a couple of losers. Um, but this is going to be a little bit different tonight because of happenings around Goodison Park today and I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Downey who is going to tell you all the goings on at Everton and um, trust me strap yourself in because if you listen to the Blue Room you know he's going to go in heavy on everybody except maybe the Alsatian dog that saved Everton at the back end of last season <laughs> Joe um, Joe is um, has, I was just talking to Joe about Leeds <coughs> winning two games since August in the league and he just went yeah yeah and then he he tried to mentally back out of talking about Leeds, but he's going to have to, so that's the way it goes. Yeah. But, lads, we're going to spend the next hour or so talking about different things about the Premier League. As I said, a little bit different, so I'm going to go from the top down to the bottom and talk Leeds, talk everything, and they'll take up most of the show. If you're watching, um, hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you go over and check out Joe's just Joe football show, which is really hard to say. Um, but check him out and make sure to check out Dave on the Blue Room and, of course, across Twitter and stuff like that. The show is brought to you by bookmakers.com. Link is in the description for their website. If you like gambling, great, go ahead, fill your boots, but do it responsibly. If you don't like gambling, it's really good for comparisons, stats and stuff like that. So it works for everyone. And if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, I am on there once a week talking Premier League with a Man United fan. 
and a sports fan, which is interesting at the moment as well, the way their stuff is going. But look, let's get into it. Um, Joe, I'm going to come to you first. Top of the table, well, top of the table-ish clash at the Emirates um, yesterday. Finished Arsenal 3, United 2. Arsenal, I didn't think, it was a mad game, frantic game, loads happening. I wouldn't say it was the best quality game, but, you know, when you're sitting down at half four on a Sunday, as a neutral, you just want to see goals and stuff like that, and that's what mm. we're seeing. Um, and all I really want to talk about is, can Arsenal win this title? Because I have them firmly as favourites now. See, I still can't see past City, which okay. I know, it's just because it's City. Um, I think they have that running experience, right? We've seen, you know, them claw points back in the past. I just think Arsenal have obviously took a step forward after, you know, missing out on the on the uh, top four last season and not having that experience then. I just don't think they have it, enough experience within that squad to stay the course for an actual winning of a Premier League. That will come in time, I think. I I still think if they were to lose Thomas Party, for example, that'd be that'd be a car crash for them. They have signed a player um, today though that can play centre midfield and Oh have they? I did, yeah. I've missed that. I've missed that. <coughs> Apologies. Um, right, okay. I mean I do like what they're doing though. I'm a big I was always banging that Arteta drum to be fair. And I've done it on this show and I've done it on others. And I think what what he's done's uh, amazing. I'm buzzing for Eddie as well because obviously Eddie and Ketty have spent some time on loan at Leeds in the Championship, but I even seen like him get so much disrespect for taking on Ree's shirt number when he signed that new deal, and then when uh, Jesus got injured, it was all like, oh, we're done for Eddie, but I'm, I'm just happy to see him doing well as well and him scoring uh, the two goals. And I never felt, mate, at any point that they were not going to win that game. I just always felt in the second half that, they're going to win this game, you know what I mean? And it's it's even more sweeter for me because, obviously, I, I don't like Manchester United and they were getting way ahead, <clears throat> sorry, way ahead of themselves, obviously. I, I had them just disregarding that, that Crystal Palace game midweek and just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, show up and, and, and do Arsenal, etc. And then for them to only pick up a point in, in two games has sort of brought, brought them back down to earth a little bit. But again, they're going in the right direction with Eric, uh, with Ten Hag. But no, I still think it's City's, mate. I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's experience and it's Pep Guardiola and it's Erling Haaland. And yeah, I mean, I found it crazy, bro, that everyone was talking about, oh, Haaland's the problem. Oh, they have to find this way. But I mean, how can a guy that's scoring that many goals be a problem? I, I'm not too sure. And then he goes and gets a hat-trick done against Wolves. So, um. I know you asked me about Arsenal. I've gone a bit on a, on a bit of a top. Notice how I didn't mention Liverpool there in that top of the table. Kind mm. of. <laughs> I had to get that in there, bro. Um, <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> for the moment. Yeah, now nah, listen. I've had mates of mine. To, oh, do you think Klopp's in trouble? I said, don't be silly, man. It's like just going through a bad patch. It is what it is, uh, as you said off air. But um, no, Arsenal will stay the course, but they won't win the league, I don't think. Mm. You see, I have a theory on this, and my theory is is that City from the front are amazing. They're relentless, and they don't give you a break. And I know this is a Liverpool fan, 18, 19, um, last season. Um, but the one season City were asked a question for me was 19, 20, when Liverpool win at Aston Villa 
on from a goal down on the same day that City win late against Southampton at the Etihad. And Liverpool say six points cleared them. You know, it could have been three with, with City arriving at Anfield the following week. Liverpool bashed them at Anfield then and go nine points clear. And it's early, no- it might be late October, early November. And City just have no answer. City have no answer to a team that just have decided they're going to win every football game. And Liverpool win 28 of the first 29 games or 27 of the first 29 games. Um, and when I look at this, I think the lead Arsenal have of a day points. And people are saying they to play City twice. The Champions League is coming back around. And Arteta, or Guardiola has made comments about not really caring about the Premier League. Then he's throwing a bit of stuff at his, at his team even after winning against Spurs where he's like, they aren't up to it. And he's starting to rock a boat for me a little bit where he just wants more money to spend on more players really. And um, he wants to refresh his squad and do it quick. And if it was, if Arsenal were level with them or two points behind them, I wouldn't give them a hope. Because at City will just put the foot down and do, do 10 in a row and you're not living with them. But I just think the gap Arsenal have, I think City are one bad result away from throwing in the towel here. And I mean that even with, with City having to play them twice because City genuinely just want that Champions League. They've won mm. five of the last six mm. Premier League titles, I think. And that's that's the thing I have. And Arsenal at the moment, injuries are going their way, yeah. Bit of luck, yeah, you need it. Playing really good football, do you all believe in each other? And if they keep a gap, the pressure won't come on them. I don't think the pressure will come on them. And I think, I gen- I get what you're saying. City could go and win, you know, how many. They could win every game yeah. the rest of the season. That thing against Spurs could have been the kick they needed. Mm. But I just think one bad result somewhere, you know, where Arsenal win and City draw and it's 10 points, I think City will just switch off. They'll just switch I off think- and go, we're not throwing her at this because we have this big thing over here that they have to win. Because if he doesn't win, he can win all the other trophies. He doesn't win the yeah. European Cup at Man City. Yeah. He's a failure, and that's just the way yeah. it is. Um, it's that city. It's that city game, isn't it? Though that Arsenal City them. game. They've two. Yeah, them. that's what I'm saying. So, but that's not till February the fifth. There's one on February the fifteenth. Arsenal are at home, and people are saying City will beat them twice. What if Arsenal beat them? I get a yeah, draw, yeah, and then it's eight points, and they've only played them once. Then, so then Arsenal mm-hmm. can actually lose another two games on top of that, and City would have to be perfect. And I just, I, <coughs> I just think when this Champions League comes around, if City get not even a draw that's dodgy, even a, even a, a game against a huge team that's dodgy, the memories of Real Madrid will come flooding back and they will make sure they will literally send anyone out on the pitch the Saturday before they play a huge European game. That's just the way I think it is. Mm. I think Arsenal just have to keep going. And on the record, I'm not an Arteta fan. never have been. But no. I think he's they've been brilliant this season. I just think he's a bit weird. I just think he keeps... Especially when there was no people in the stadiums, he kept randomly looking up looking at the stadium as if he's running sport. And I just I just I just think he's a bit weird, but I think he's done really, really well. I'm on the yeah. record I want Arsenal to win it all day long over yeah, yeah. Man City because <clears throat> um ah, me, me feelings on City are well known. Dave <laughs> Arsenal City is it one of those where there's gonna be a twist and turn just or is it a case of if City lose one they're, they're gonna drop off. Where do you see this one? I, I think I mostly agree with what Joe said there about City basically having too much for the for the entirety of the season. They've got, what, 18, 19 games left. Um, having said that, the point you made, I think, that, that sticks out the most is what happened against Spurs. Winning that 3-2 and he starts slating his own players and then fans. There's, there's been, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, Gav, over the years that Pep Guardiola's been with them, there have been points where you think he's got 
a little bit of a tick that he's, he, he obsesses over certain things that just look like it'll throw him away in certain directions. It'll put it'll put City off in certain directions. Now, I know that hasn't happened in the end, but like you referred to with the Champions League as well, there seems to be Guardiola's never fully happy with anything that goes on in that, in that football club. Um, journalistically, I think he's horrendous to interview. I think he's horrible to interview um, because he's, he's quite ignorant, really, isn't he, in, in the way in which he talks. But that point he made after Spurs, winning that game 3-2, Four I think they finished four. I support them in the end, yeah. And when <clears throat> when when that happens, that euphoria that you see from fans at the end of a game, where you've come from two 0 down to win like that, that's the sort of thing that's a massive positive to every other manager. I'd know. For instance, you all that with, with, with Klopp. If he comes at the end of a game that you've come back from four uh, from two 0 down to win four two, you wouldn't hear a reaction like that from him to the media to say. Oh, you know, the, the, the players weren't good enough tonight. I know I'm not saying verbatim here, but the players weren't good enough tonight. Didn't feel like we did enough. The fans seem to be relatively quite quiet and things like that, which obviously I love. many people are going to love because it's uh, it's the Etihad and they yeah. tend not to have a, a big noise going at, the, at that place. But hearing them say that so early in the season, that would worry me if I was a City fan because it's just unnecessary, completely unnecessary for them to say. The other hand of it, with Arsenal, I've, I've really enjoyed watching them. I think they're probably the most neutral side that I'm a fan of in the Premier League, aside from my own, because there's never been a real rivalry between Arsenal and Everton. Um, obviously, with you guys competing at the top end of the table all the time, there's, there'll be some sort of issue you'll have with Arsenal. You go back to the Wenger years and things like that. It's quite a decent memory to think about. Um, will he... Stay the, the course. I, I don't think, and this might sound quite silly, but like you said, they play, they've still got to play City twice. It doesn't feel to me like they've fully been tested to the extreme level. And I'm talking about, given the World Cup and this season being a lot later, it doesn't feel to me that I look at eight points as a genuine eight-point lead, if you get what I mean. Mm. So I, I look at the situation now and think, well, like you said, if you play City twice, if they win one of them, it's it's pretty neutral, isn't it? Even if they lose the other, they haven't lost that amount of points against them. But the inexperience, I'm, I'm not too sure about Arteta when it gets to a situation where it's a must-win game or you need a late equaliser to, to grab a point. I don't think you see that from Arteta. Um, there's something about him, and I don't know whether it's an Everton relation with him because he was, he was an absolute bastard when he left us when he played for Arsenal. But I think there's part of it, and having been with Pep for quite some time too, I, I, it seems like he's never fully happy himself with what happens when you, when you hear his interviews. It's a bit like Guardiola. So I, I think there's a difficult situation. I'm not sure, like, Saka's been outstanding. Odegaard's been the same. You've had so many players that have done so well, Zinchenko, even the keeper, like, like what happened at Spurs the other week, making ridiculous saves. I don't think that sticks. And you mentioned that word luck before. It, it, it comes to an end at certain points. So I, if I had to put my hat on it right now, if I had to put my house on who's going to win it, I, I'd still say City. Not by much, but I still think it's going to be City. Mm. I, I think it's really interesting. And, you know, they have got those two <clears> games. And, you know, there's people yeah. in the chat there saying, um, there was one um, in particular saying, you know, that um, 
City have got two wild cards up their, up their sleeve, but Arsenal have them as well. Like, the, the thing is, people just think, ah, when City got hold of Arsenal, you know. But I promise you, if City play like they did against Spurs and go 2-0 down against Arsenal, they won't beat them 4-2. Because mm. Arsenal are much better drilled this season. They have a much better temperament. And they have fellas on the break that are going to hurt you. And once Odegaard gets a hold of you on a break in any way, he just picks the right pass mm. all the time. You know, and that's just the way they are. And look, don't get me wrong. I think, I, I think the reason people think that City can still go rampant and, and catch them, and, and it could happen... I think people are holding on to that. Your boys have still got to go there, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Your boys have still got to go there. No, they've come, they come to Anfield to Arsenal. They've come to Anfield, yeah. to Anfield, yeah. But Huge, that. Absolutely massive. But but the thing is, I think, you know, and people are saying, like, Arsenal have taken their chance and Liverpool aren't as good and City aren't as good and stuff. That's absolutely mm-hmm. true. But Arsenal can only play what's in front of them. You know, <clears> if Liverpool, if, honestly, if, if Liverpool turn up as we thought Liverpool would turn up, you're probably looking at Liverpool sandwiched in between them two. Or sitting level with City, or you know, and that's that's two teams hunting you down. So you have mm. to rely on two results every weekend to go your way, you know, before you play and stuff like that. So that's extra pressure. I just think Arsenal, for me at the moment, just look like a team that <coughs> nothing's going wrong. Never could go wrong, but nothing's going wrong at the moment. And See, that, that's the issue though with, with you saying nothing's going wrong. It's the inexperience you've got of when something does go wrong in this situation. That that's what makes me feel that they're slightly be, below City because. When you've got to this high up and that pressure comes, the players. I mean, I think Joe mentioned party and and, and the play and, and the players that have had the quality they've had so far. Those games, which will happen, they're inevitable to happen. It's not going to be like Liverpool v City, where it's like twenty eight wins in twenty nine and all of that stuff. Mm. That's not going to happen with Arsenal. And when it comes to a game where they do lose or there's a VAR, something ridiculous happens and they don't win, they're not experienced enough, in my opinion. To react to that and think, do you know what? This has really annoyed us. Next week we're going to go and prove ourselves and things like that. That hasn't been tested yet. Mm. So that again probably adds to the reason why I think City will just about do it as we stand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John says, "God, no one's saying Arsenal shit. We're just no, no one is. No one. I don't think anyone has. Um, just that they're taking their chance out of clubs like Spurs aren't. Um, can't imagine Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, etc. Next season being this crap. Um." And Arsenal for life is in here every night. Um, people were writing us off when G- Jesus got injured. Yeah, and in, like Joe says, and Katie has stepped up really well. And Jono then says, Gav always, always has a weird soft spot for Arsenal. I do because they're a proper football club. And yeah. I I start watching football in the mid-80s and Arsenal come to prominence in the late, in, in my mind, in the, in the late 80s. And Robert League title at Anfield in 89 and... You know, we rob an FA Cup of them in 2001. They win a couple. They were brilliant in the late 90s. Over Mars, all these players. Yeah. And yeah, they're just a proper football club that you just kind of look and go, there's not much to hate about them. You know, I think... I the just think they didn't <coughs> give us part of that machinery, mate. <laughs> but the, the only thing is, the only thing, I, I, the only thing that people I hear throw at Arsenal that they don't like about them is their fan base. But that's a recent thing because of social media and stuff like that. Other than that, Arsenal are just a good football club. And I, you know, that's just the way I am with them. Um... Moving on though, we yeah go go either way, couldn't it? So we we probably come back in a couple of weeks and talk about it. But um, looking at the other end, and I'll start with Leeds because I want <clears throat> I want to leave everything to last, understandably. Um, Joe, Leeds have won two league games since August. Yeah, I read that about an hour before we come on here. Um, we spoke at the start of the season about how they were 
shifting players in and out and they needed that refresh because everyone was just hammered after Bielsa and just had nothing left yeah. in the tank. Um, they brought some good players in. I've seen people in the last couple of days, and I, I think it might be Martin Keown even saying, they just seem rushed in everything they do. They don't get the ball down and play football. Yeah. Are you are you worried? Oh no, yeah, because because I, I look at that, I look at Leeds down there, and I kind of go, <clears throat> yeah, they're in there, but they've a game in hand there, and they, they could push themselves over. And genuinely, three four point gap to the bottom three, I think is yeah. massive this season because I think it's going to be a fairly low total to go down. Yeah, I think I am worried, and I think this is the thing with when when your team plays Leeds United, you see the pace that we play at. Like we beat you, for example, at Anfield. You know, every time we play <coughs> someone, they'll go, "Our oh, Leeds ain't going down. Nah, too good." you know, high energy, et cetera, et cetera. But when you watch them week in, week out, it's, for me, it's like pulling teeth. Like, I'm not enjoying it. Uh, I'm I'm very much on the side of I would like a change of manager. Um, you know, um, everyone's... Is that because it's, you're it's, still holding over Bielsa? Though? Well, the, I was just going to say, that's what everyone throws at me. You're still mourning, Joe. No, I'm not, man. I'm not. Yeah, are, Joe. Yeah, honestly, the, yeah. the fan base is like this, Gav, right? As soon yeah. as you say anything, you get called a Bielsa sexual. This is okay. what you get called. Oh, that's a real word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's a word. Nice. It's a word. No um, one but nice one. Yeah, yeah. So, so someone actually said on Twitter, get this, Dylan, who's a good friend of mine, but he's very much Jesse, and he says, I hope Bielsa gets the job so that Jesse can beat him at Everton in a couple of weeks and then the Bielsa sexuals can get over it oh. or something. Like, this is what it's like, right? 40 chess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the football's not great. The football isn't great. Um, I think, you know, it's very rare. I agree with Martin Keown, but we do just need to, at times, dial it down from 100 miles an hour to like 50%, get our foot on the ball and start playing football. Uh, but the way Jesse likes to play, it's, it's you know, 100% all of the time. It's frantic. It's that counter-press. It's just hooking it into areas, you know. There was actually uh, an image release, Gav, uh, from um, inside the Leeds United dressing room of a A4 sheet of paper that had eight bullet points on it. Um, now, a lot of Leeds fans and a lot of people are saying, oh, this happens at all football clubs. But when I read it, I'm a bit like, I'm not too sure. Um, some of the stuff on it, um, celebrate moments, Clean sheet mentality, play forward. I'm just reading it now. Fast starts, always online, stay aggressive. I mean, these things might go on, but I think the the real worry for me is the minimal width. Um, he doesn't like to play with any width whatsoever. And even when there's options out wide and there's space for players to actually do something in, the players will go inside. And, and I think this is what Martin Keown's saying is like, we're just certain players like Brendan Aronson, for example, he started like a house on fire. Now I don't want him to be starting because he's so a hundred mile an hour. And I guess that's what Jesse wants, but I want a player to just get their foot on it and try play through the lines. Let's see if we can create some chances as opposed to just like hundred mile an hour. If you get the ball, just flick it forward. Like he wants everyone to play so centrally all in the penalty box, you know? So if a ball's come in, it's very much like back to goal. They'll just hook it over the head on the hope that it just drops somewhere, you know, and then all a player has the ball and we can counter-press them. Um, we're so narrow that the switch is always on as well. Um, but what I will say over the last three games, it's starting to look a little bit better, but I almost feel like we're running out of time um, because, like you said, it's four wins in total. It's two wins since August. Um, we played well against Villa. We lose the game. 
We beat Cardiff 5-2 in the in the FA Cup. But again, over two games, we had to have a replay. They scored four goals against Leeds. They're hardly scoring in the Championship. They're like 21st. They still score four past Leeds. Because defensively, because of his system, we're just so open all the time. It's very much like Bielsa was so open through the middle. I mean, you've seen it for Liverpool when Matip scored that goal. It was just like so easy for Klopp to work out in the end. Um, but under Jesse, we're so open out wide. So all it takes is a switch to the other side. I mean, this was the one of the most annoying things because I'm not sold on him. So naturally, whenever he gives me a stick, I'm going to beat him with it. And one of the things he said in a press conference, because we continue to concede this goal where it was flicked over to the back post, he actually said in a press conference, this is a tactic that's only used in England. What? The goal at the back post? Is only used in England. I was like, you're just talking codswallop now. And this is what a lot of it is. It's all rhetoric. And it's easy to say, you know, Ted Lasso, etc. Maybe it is them Americanisms that we're not used to that as an Englishman or... Uh, but and It almost sounds elitist, but I, when I hear him say things, I'm like, have you, have you really just said that? Like every player, just sign Max Vober. He's the best ball-playing centre-back he's ever had. Rodrigo's the best striker he's ever had. Uh, Jorginho Rutter's the best two-foot player he's ever had. Everyone who comes through the door is the best he's ever had at that specific thing. Let's not forget he's worked with Erling Haaland at Salzburg. You know, he had uh, Minamino, Haaland and um, Huang Hee Chan at, at Salzburg. It's all right playing that football that you're going to play, that brand of football, that Ranić style of football when you've got all the best players in the league. But ultimately, Leeds don't have all the best players in the league. So we're always going to struggle. Um, yeah, I'm not enjoying it. And, and moving forward, we've got Forest, then play Man United home and away within a week. Um, how, did and that, then, how did that happen? Do you know when the Queen passed? Mm. The Forest and Man United <coughs> game uh, got moved. Oh. And because because of... Unless we get a replay in the FA Cup, which hopefully we won't. We, That's like Liverpool Wolves as well, isn't it? You play yeah. Wolves soon enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah. play Wolves soon enough so, as well, yeah. That's going to be fun. From a policing aspect, having Man United and then... Yeah, it's going to be mad, but... Um, <laughs> I just struggle to see where the points are coming from. And if we don't beat Forest, I'd like him to go. Well, but, I'm looking at the yeah. league for you, Roy. Now, you're the only team yeah. down there with that game in hand. It's obviously the United game is the yeah. game in hand, right? But uh-huh. Leeds currently sit 15th on 18 points. Forest, yeah. who you play, are three points ahead of you. But, you know, that game, you still have that game in hand. But yeah. the way you talk there, Joe, is, and for me is, when I look at the likes of, say, Everton as an example. Everton looked open, right? Played forward at the back. Mm. This is only my opinion, and Dave will tell us all about it in a little bit. But when I watched, when I watched Everton, I thought to myself, very open down the middle of the park, very open. You know, Cody and Tarkowski, good defenders. If you ask them to defend, Cody, great in a three-man defence. I think he struggles as a two-man, right? Yeah. Because he likes to have someone either side of him where he's they're marking the forwards and he's sweeping up, or he's the man that gets on the ball. And Everton, to their credit, went and changed and went away to Man City with five at the back. We're dominated for the game, but came away with a one-all draw. That's all that matters. They looked more solid. They looked more drilled. They looked like there wasn't as many gaps in the side. And even with that, they could get City at times on the break with the likes of Demary Gray. Is your big worry for Leeds is that I think it's very easy to fix if you're open down the middle. You can just throw someone in centre-half, make three. You can throw two fellas in front of that if you want, and you can make it solid. But when you say to me, are so open, 
wide. I think that's harder to counterpress. Mm-hmm. I, you know, or counteract. I think that's harder to fix. Yeah. Because if you're so open out wide, the players that you have, are, are they used to playing wide? Are they? Yeah. Is it is it a mix of he's actually a left a left back that likes to be wide, or in a traditional back four, he's mm. a left midfielder that likes to be wide in a traditional back four, and they're all being compressed in here. Mm. You know that will, that's what will worry me, Joe. This... Because it's I think it's what you're saying. I think it's harder to fix than yeah. if someone said you're just open down the middle. Yeah, well, one of the things on his A4 sheet is go joining and swarm, and in brackets, it's prevent switches. So because we play all, like you could throw a blanket over us, for example, say if you're, I don't know, you're, you're, Andy Robertson picks it up, Trent's free on the other side. The, the plan for me is just run over as quick as you can so that the switch isn't on. But when you're playing against better opposition, they'll find that ball. They'll find that out ball, and it goes out. You know, even Brentford at times... You know, they, they managed to get it through, but Max Vorber, to be fair to him, who's just come in, looks a cut above what we've had before from a defensive standpoint, so anticipated a lot better than we've seen in recent times. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. Like I say, I just... I, even if, and I've, I keep saying this, I just don't think it's sustainable, Gav. So even if we stay up, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, Ranić tried to play this way... Ralph Hasen, who will try to play this way, uh, it just it just doesn't work. Ralph made little changes, but ultimately he still never took Southampton anywhere, did he? He got that game where he got to cry against Cop and that Klopp, and that's about all he had. Do you know what I mean? He got sacked in the end anyway. So I just don't feel it's sustainable uh, over the course of the season and moving forward. The thing is, we've brought in some fantastic players. Like, look at Nonto, 3.5 million. What a talent he is. Yeah, he I just fun. think with a better manager, we would, we'd be nowhere near where we are. I'm not saying we'd be clinging on to top six or anything like that. I'm just saying we wouldn't have to be thinking, oh, God, like, when Southampton went 1-0 up at the weekend, I know it was at, it chalked off through VAR, but we entered the bottom three. That's how close it is. Obviously, Villa end up winning the game 1-0. But it's like, I don't think Leeds United should be in that situation with the players that we have. Rodrigo's in hot form. Bamford's just come back. We've got Rutter. You've got Adams. You've got Sinistera, Nonto, Somerville. All these players that... Ah, I just think there's a better way of playing than minimal width, is what mm. I'm saying. Like There was times where Harrison picked it up in a central area. Strouk's there, left back. And instead of going out to him in here, because the space is cutting it back inside, try to thread this ball through the eye of a needle when you've got, like, Ben Mee, uh, the three centre-backs, basically, it's going to be hard to get through, mm. you know? Might be able to do it in Austria against poor opposition, but in the Premier League, they're just going to cut them passing lanes. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is interesting because I think they've signed loads of... I think they've signed good quality... Uh-huh. Plenty of legs in the team, uh-huh. you know. Um, Arneson is very, I find a very imaginative player as well. Yep. But the, like you said, they all seem to be just being pushed into this box. We're in the, yep. we're in the pitch, and then it's not working going forward, but it's killing you mm. going backwards, you yeah. know, because they're all just used to being in this. Dave, before we go on to everything in detail, there's teams around you there, right? You've Southampton, you've West Ham, you've mm. um. Forest are a little bit further ahead, but they'll, I think they'll be dragged back in. But you have got Wolves, Bournemouth. Out of those, who would you worry for most? 
because as in to as in to join us in that sort of rivalry. Yeah, 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 people. yeah. Who who do you who when you look at that there, like do you see Wolves getting out of it because the players they have, Bournemouth are steadily dropping, you know, Forest have had a bit of a, a an uptown but could get pulled back in. Who do you worry for most out of all them? I know it's right from Everton. I mean, the, the one that I'm looking at that we need to finish above is Bournemouth because I think Bournemouth and Southampton are going to be the two that below us if we if we manage to get out of this. The, the one that I look above us that we can sort of drag back in, and I hate to say because Joe's sitting there and he's come up with some fanta- fantastic points about his side, but I actually think it is Leeds. Uh, we've, we've got them at home, which is that, that's going to be a huge mm. six-pointer. Absolutely yes. huge. Our fixtures in February um, are are quite ridiculous when you look at it really because we've got Arsenal at home, Liverpool away, our next two. We're getting nothing from those two. Absolutely nothing. Then we've got Villa at home. I don't think Villa are completely out of it either, even though they've had the bounce from Unai Emery. Still not fully convinced by them. And like you said, there's a lot of our fans who, who are enthusiastic still. I've no idea why they are given the way we are. But those who've said, oh, we're only three or four points away from like 13, 14. They're the, the most dangerous things you can think about your club. If you think we can get out of this really quickly, we'll win back-to-back games and be absolutely fine. Well, the fact you can get up there that quickly means you can get down there equally as quickly. To the point I see, this might sound a little crazy, Leicester, I think Leicester in a hell of a lot of trouble as well. Yeah. The, the games I've seen them play, the players they've got, and and having not, it doesn't even look like they've considered getting rid of Rodgers. The three points off bottom. As we speak, exactly, yeah. exactly, mate. Yeah, and and I look at that side. I'm thinking, you've got so much talent. Like I know Madison's been fit, not fit. Harvey Barnes, I've never seen miss so many easy chances that I've watched them in the last few weeks. I actually like watching Leicester recent years. Look at that side, don't mate. They, they just look like they concede for fun. I know they just signed a new um, a new centre back, haven't they, for for big money in the last couple of days? <coughs> Excuse me, but. I think there's far too much above us for us to to really insist on one or two sides that are just above us to drag in, and and we're going to go above them. West Ham are going to keep Moyes. Um, before our game, it looked like every West Ham wants to get rid of him again, mm. and and they I, I see a lot of comparisons between Everton and West Ham, given that they've previously hated their board, they've signed. Silly amount of players for silly money. There's only an odd few of them that have actually worked. They've got a much better squad than us and the, the better in which the way they play. But yeah, I mean, going back to your question, I, I think it's Leeds that becomes the six-point tie for us when we play them and it'll be between, be between us and them, as it was for a lot of last season, to yeah. ultimately end up possibly going out. It's... <clears throat> look it's only halfway through the season and as much as we talk about the title chase and top four and stuff like that it's still only halfway through the season with these teams at the bottom and you do see at times where a team you know they win four and six and all of a sudden you're like fuck me they were second bottom a couple of weeks ago and they're at mid table and it's kind of comfortable and they kind of free off the shackles and it becomes a 14 place finish which is quite comfortable but when I look at the teams down there I just think Bournemouth's squad will suffer as this goes yeah. on, um, because that's what Bournemouth do when they come up. I think Southampton probably left it too long with Hasselhoodle, and I think the manager they brought in is highly rated from his time at Luton. 
but I don't know. I don't know if the players are completely on board with him there. That's that's just my feeling on it. I think if James Ward Prowse gets an injury, I think they're fucking in massive, massive. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he just seems strange guy, Nathan Jones. You know as well. He's a strange guy. Oh, I don't know. He's know. very strange. We yeah. came up against him on a number of occasions. Obviously in the chat, he was at Luton. Then he left to go to Stoke on me as well. Yeah. And it went really bad, and then he went back to Luton, you see. So whenever he leaves Luton, it goes tits up. But he's a strange guy, man. He's he's a bit strange, and I think maybe his methods with Premier League players, like you say, Gav, they're probably at times scratching their heads thinking, what's this guy talking about? But we'll see, we'll see. It, I just I just think Southampton has struggled. Bournemouth, if March cops himself on, Jesse March cops himself on and starts putting round pegs and round holes a little bit, um, even formation-wise, and then considers that we play stuff at the back post in um, the Premier League, you might you might get out of trouble. Um, but Leicester, oh, I'd love them to fucking go down and go down, be mm. honest with you, um, just just because of that fella. Um, but, <laughs> Do you um, think West Ham, West Ham are the only one for me personally that, I, that you spoke about that team picking up four wins? I, I see that being West Ham. I'd see that being Wolves, you see. Because yeah, Wolves, okay. that, Wolves traditionally over the last two seasons didn't concede an awful lot of goals, but didn't score an awful lot. Yeah, and if you're Still not saying now, they haven't scored. Yeah, they are. And and but the thing is, if you're like that, you're you're more likely to win one, draw one, lose one, win one, draw one, lose one. And over eighteen games, that's six wins, and you know six draws, that's twenty four points on top of what they have. That'll get them out. Do you know what I mean? Um, Better managers the they've got now as well. Yeah, he's he's yeah. very good, and and the thing the thing about West Ham is, you can make the argument over West Ham because they probably have the best squad of everyone down there, probably, you yeah. know, um when you look at who they've brought in, how they've done, they, they were in the Conference League last year, they were flying well in, in the Premier League, and when you look at them player on player, they probably have the best thing, but what happens there with West Ham is, that's a toxic place if it starts going wrong, one, and a lot of them yeah. players will will for me will think, well. I'll get a move anyway. Declan Rice, the mm. likes of them, he'll get a move. You know, Michael Antonio might get a move. Paqueta will get him. You know, that sort of way. So that that can start to get into the psyche as well. But I I think it's only halfway through. I think 19 games, you're probably looking in about 10 games time to see a real picture of where you go. There's 10 left. And I know Everton have play a ridiculous amount of teams in the top half of the division, I think, <coughs> for the next mm. 10 games before they start meeting teams around them. You know, um, I was reading that earlier. But... We'll have to wait and see, and we'll, we'll probably get on in, in 10 games' time and have a chat where Liverpool are sitting 12th. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we, we just won't talk about Liverpool that night either, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, but, Dave, I'm going to yeah. open the floor to you with everything because I've listened to the Blue Room. I listen to it constantly. Um, I listen to a lot of football podcasts about all different sorts of clubs. I'll watch some of Joe's stuff. I'll watch Arsenal stuff, United stuff. I'm just interested in what's going on at different clubs at different times. And I've listened to the Blue Room quite a lot over the last, say, year, two years, but uh, like not missing it over the last six weeks. And that's not me being an arsehole where I just want to listen to misery. And, you know, I don't just, blame you for that. No, no, no. I, I, do you know what I do? I, I listen to it because the reason I listen to it is because you're varying people on it. So you'll have people who are like, this is madness. Then you have other people that counteract that. And I love all that. And you get to know the ins and outs of it. It's easy for me to sit here and go, you know, Lampard's not up to it, which I believe. But the whole, it's more the board and what's going on, who's on the board and yeah. what's, and that's what kind of interests me when it's coming to it. But Dave, Lampard's being sacked today. 
right? Mm. Now, I'm going to put my hand up and say I don't think Frank Lampard is a Premier League manager. I'm going to say that. And that's me looking at him at Chelsea, which I don't think he should have got the job. He got it because of the transfer ban. And he got rid of him as soon as he could after that. He goes in at Everton. He doesn't do anything that <coughs> Rafa Benitez, I don't think, would have done last season. Now, Rafa Benitez is a touchy subject because of his history. But then they start the season, and is it three wins this season? Three, four, four wins. Um, yeah, it was started off, off well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they've started the season, and it just seems to me like Lampard, I understand the financial stuff, but Lampard, the players, the the management around them, the, the owners, were at the board, nobody has taken this on board, Dave, where <coughs> what happened last season to Everton shouldn't happen again. And it is happening again, and I think it's it's worse than last season, not only on the pitch, but off it. Mate, that's, that, that's a really good assumption I think you've made. Um, a really good um, look back on the way it worked. I think it, it shows you, and I think it proves a lot when you look at the situation we're in, the way in which we've played, first and foremost, before the board. Getting rid of Richarlison, which, yes, understandably, he wants to go. He wants to play Champions League football. You know, a penny for his thoughts right now, whether he'd go back to Everton if anyone gave him the option, because he's having a dreadful time at Spurs. I think he's only scored one Premier League goal this season. Getting rid of him and who he was replaced with instantly puts the alert sign towards not only the board, but the way in which the recruitment has been absolutely dreadful for nearly seven years now under Mishiri. Um In fact, I'd, I'd ask you two guys and anyone else who's listened to this, you could put five players on, on your hands who are any good for Everton since we started spending a hell of a lot of money, which everyone talks about over half a billion of players that we went and got. Who were the five you'd say who were really good for Everton and did good, good things for them? One of them, and you're not going to like me saying this, one of them is the goalkeeper that we've got. Because I, some of the things you'd say about him, aside from Van Dyke stuff and all that nonsense, those early years... I looked at him when we got him from Sunderland for 30 million quid. I'm looking at him thinking, what on earth are we playing out here paying 30 million for this lad? Fact of the matter is, he was a big part of keeping us up last season. I think in the last two or three years. And I hate referring to his England performances because it's like he's playing for a completely different club. The way he plays for England is outstanding. You wouldn't doubt that he's the best keeper England can get. Then, you know, you compare that to the way he was with us, early doors. You think, who's this lad? Has he only come to us for some money and then turn up at England? But him um, and Richarlison and the fans were literally probably the only three things why we stayed in the Premier League last season. That that game against Palace, I think now you can look back, back on it and I think, look, hindsight's great, but you look back on that game that kept us up. Frank Lampard got a lot of credit for that which the three things that I've just mentioned probably were a hell of a lot more important than him as the manager being there. You look at the results we had in and around that time. The results, uh, the, the, the the list of games, I think he's only won 12 Premier League games since he was with us and it, it turns out to be, well, it's a year that he's been there in three or four days. I think the writing's been on the wall a lot with him, but he's just about managed to keep his head above the water with certain games. Ironically, Palace again was the last win we had in the Premier League. We beat them three 0 at home. That happens, and then you, I think you know you know those situations when you're a fan of a club where you just sort of 
you're treading water, you know, you, you, you're sleepwalking into certain situations with your club, thinking, what's the end goal here? What what are the club trying to do? What you mentioned at the start there, guys, the, 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 the most important thing was, as soon as Everton stayed up, and that was confirmed against Palace, the first thing the board, the manager, anybody else associated with Everton's shareholders, should the first related, the first conversation he had should have been, right, this can never happen again. We need to ensure why this never happens again. With Charleston leaving, what do we do with the money? We went and got McNeil for 20-odd million from Burnley, and then we went and got uh, Neil Mope for 15 million from Brighton. Best part of 35 million quid on two players that have never fully proved themselves in the Premier League. McNeil, that might be a little bit harsh because I think he helped keep Burnley up a couple of seasons, looked a decent player for them. But when you think that you can't spend any money other than what you've sold, <coughs> why would you be the type of player that you first look at? I've no idea. We've needed a striker for a long, long time. And that's not because Calvert-Lewin last season fell, fell off the earth, to be fair, because he had his 20-odd goals the season before, looked really good with Ancelotti. Injury issues. Why on earth are you looking to go and get a lad at Brighton who just decides to just walk around trying to hurt people and tries to be a bit of a handful? But goals-wise, he never scored more than 10 in a season at Brighton. No idea why we went and got a lad that just simply wasn't suited to how we played. He, what is he, five foot seven? All Everton do with with uh, Calvert-Lewin is try and cross the ball into him and he scores headers. You're going to do that with a lad who's five foot seven who likes to drop off the 18-yard box? Absolutely not. So those messes started really, really quickly. Went and got uh, Onana, 30-odd million. He's, he's, he's been a bright spark for half the games, other halves, he, he doesn't he doesn't show up. Just a kind of gay. I've no idea why he still gets a game. He's been dreadful. Yes, he's gone and played for PSG. He comes back to a club like Everton. I don't know how that works. How that's gonna work, how you play when you've been at a club that plays what, seventy five percent possession in every game. These these probably minor things that you'll you'll everyone's listening to me talk about here. It's just they've all Combined together to make us a relegation threatened side. Rory um, mentions um, James Garner from United as well. <clears throat> James Garner come in, yeah. I mean, I was really, um, really content with that. It seemed like a good deal. We have an appalling record of taking players to Manchester United. I could reel through them all who've done absolutely nothing for this club. Phil Neville's probably the best, and that, that explains it really, doesn't it? But James Garner looked like a real prospect. He was a forest in the Championship. They rave about him. They were desperate to get him. He come in, a couple of games he played, coming off the bench. He's only played one or two, a starter, one or two, and a really bad injury. He's someone I think that a lot of us are looking forward to get him getting back into action in February. But it all feels too little, too late. We're putting Decore on, who looked like he wanted off from this club for the last year or so. Put him on away at United in the FA Cup, and he actually turned up and had a decent game. And then we find out today... When Lampard's been sacked, that he was told to train on his own because he had a massive argument in in the uh, uh, in in Finch Farm with all of the players, and he was talking in French, so Lampard didn't understand the criticism he was giving him. That, in a nutshell, is Everton since Machiri came into us, and yet yeah, that's probably 
in the middle of it all is is him, the owner, the board, allegedly saying that one of them was put in a headlock last week when there's no evidence and. It's uh, it, it's honestly like watching EastEnders or Coronation Street, mate. The way in which Everton are run. Um, and to, go on, sorry. I, I want to talk to you about the ownership. Yep. Because Usmanov has a say there at Everton, right? And I'm and, not too and, sure on that now because of the sanction oh, thing. But correct. at some point, correct. Did. But but yeah. what I'm linking this into is right. Everton spend a load of money, okay, and hand out a lot of wages, so they end up in financial trouble. Where I think they're their revenue to wages was something like 80 something percent or something you'd know better than me and blamed it on covid by the way That's yeah yeah and then COVID, covid and the stadium and stuff like that and people are like no 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 your revenue <laughs> to your wages has nothing to do with covid um you know well it does to the point of, of revenue match day revenue okay but stadiums and stuff were like no look we can see what you're paying on wages it was very straightforward for me and newsmanoff was there now there is sanctions right but i'm wondering how much of a influence he must he, he might still have in the background because Mashiri has asked coming out of the West Ham game the other day um is this if for Frank Lampard and he said it's not my decision as the owner of Everton Football Club it's not my decision I've heard you on the Blue Room say he's not been there since August 2021 or the game you know and it's it's like he's lost all interest and looking looking forward like we know they're in trouble right on the pitch they're in trouble they're in trouble financially um, and if they go down, that stadium is going to be a noose around their neck, um, you know, to a certain extent because of the money they've put in and the, the money they're not going to be able to generate. And I want to bring Joe in in a minute because Leeds have gone through all this sort of stuff as well in recent years. But Dave... Oh, a lot of what we... Sorry to interrupt you, but a lot of what you've just said is absolutely right. And I see a lot of Risdale in what's going on at Everton right now. Well, that, that's that's why that's why I want, I, I want to bring Joe in a minute because... I, the Ridsdale stuff, but the, the, the constant change of manager. I remember thinking Leeds had a, manager, a new manager every six weeks, you know, for a, for a while there when they were in the championship. And it was just like, can't get out of the championship, get someone else, get someone else. And it just went on. Um, but with, like a new manager coming in, right? And mm. he comes in, he has that group of players that don't look like they can walk hard. They don't look like they're hard walk inside. They just don't have the creativity. They just don't look like that to me. You have... A board that are making accusations in a weird sort of process to say they're being held by headlock outside stadiums and stuff like that, right? When the story, as you told on, on your podcast the other day, was this woman said she was caught in a headlock, right? Said she didn't want to go any further, but the club still leaked it, so it would go further. And then she doesn't come out and say, oh, listen, you know, we're making too much out of this. So it was a real kind of snide kind of way of getting this out and you're kind of going forget the football for a minute these are the people that are making the decisions <laughs> at this football club and that's yeah. what worries me the most because everything should have a manager in place in the morning if they're sacking Frank Lampard they should have a player a, a man in now in the first thing in the morning you can't just decide we're sacking him what we do ah ring Duncan Ferguson right is Dave what's Dave around towards you you can't do this this isn't you know, this is this is Premier. This is a Premier League club. They're at massive risk of going down. They're trying to build a brand new stadium, right? And are up to their ears in fucking debt. You know, well, not yeah. debt, but up to their ears in financial <laughs> issues because of an owner and his mate that can't put money in anymore. And we're talking headlocks. Right? We're talking headlocks at the park end. It's it's yeah. it's mad. But but and I want to come back to you on who you think should get the job and where they should go going forward, right? But Joe. 
can you see similarities here? Because I, and I was delighted when you said you come on tonight because when Leeds were, you know, I think Leeds go to the championship. Did they go down to the league one at one stage? And then they yeah. come back in the championship and they're making all sorts of managerial appointments. And yeah. I might be exaggerating. I am exaggerating saying the new manager every six weeks. But it felt like, have, have Leeds have three managers this season? And I'm sure at some stage Leeds probably oh, yeah, three managers in the season. Yeah. Um, I had to be down to what was going up above them as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is why as well, right? Just uh, this is why I can't stick people being so happy for Newcastle fans. I know this is just off point when they talk about, oh, they had it so hard under Mike. I'm like, what? They dropped out of the championship for one season and bounced straight back up because he spent money to get them back up. Come on now. These yeah. teams that have gone down to League One, it, it really, really <clears throat> frustrates me. Um, we had, you know, shit show after shit show, obviously, Ken Bates after Risdale. You know, everyone knows the Seth Johnson story when he came in with his agent and he's saying, oh, we'll go for X amount. And they went down and Risdale ripped the contract and it was like three times what they were they, they were going to ask for. And they were like, right, yeah, we'll take that. Um, and then obviously Ken Bates comes in, We get he tries to take over it and we end up getting a 15-point deduction in League One. Um, so we had to come back from that, uh, first of all, and then... Chile, we, we had the first skin Arabs. We had GFH for a bit who were asking players on, on uh, sorry, asking people on Twitter who they should sign and stuff. Uh, we, uh, no, I'm not even joking either. I'm, I'm not joking. Um, and then, <laughs> then obviously, like Chile Twitter polls was that Twitter polls? Oh, no, man, they were sliding into the DMs of people who wrote fanzines, basically, <laughs> who, are, okay. who are well respected fans, but you shouldn't be asking fans on what they thought about certain players, etc. Personally, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously, uh, Chilino came in and he was just he was mad as a brush, um, you know. Even oh yeah, a... I remember him. He was mad. Yeah. <clears throat> well, David Norris. <laughs> da- da- David Norris did um, did the Under the Cosh podcast, and um, he said you had to go see him at a specific time of the day um, because he used to he used to like um, taking um, a certain nap, a nap. Yeah, he used okay. to like taking. Let's just leave her at a nap. He yeah, yeah. A nap. Um, yeah. So he, it, it was just mad, mate. Um, and he was the one that sat manager after manager. Like uh, I remember when he came in, uh, we had Brian McDermott at the time. Got rid of him. Then he wow. got chased. He got chased out of Ellen Road, out of a taxi. And then the next day, he, he reinstated Brian McDermott. And it was just yeah, shit show. So I've been there, been there, man. I, I feel it. This is again comes back to my point. Newcastle fans don't know the bone, really. Absolutely right, mate. Look, lads, I'm going to finish up because I know I, I only wanted to keep you as an hour. So, Dave, Everton, you know, yeah. I think I, I've listened. I've listened to you. Um, I've listened to you speak, and you know, you've been very honest. With, not only tonight, but you know, on your own, mm. on your own channel, and and your own podcast, and indeed on Twitter and stuff like that. And you're convinced they're going down. Because yeah. you're, what, I think you're, what you're, you're seeing from last season, nothing being learnt, a lesser squad, um, a manager that, you know, circumstance and maybe his own talent is not up to it. And a, a board that just seemed, not even fractured, just seemed to be hiding. And an owner then that lose an interest. You seem fairly convinced they're going down unless something massive changes. What do you want to see at Everton? Like, 
I keep saying it, we're only halfway through the season. Anything can change around if you make just a couple of small changes. What do what does Dave Downey want to see as an Everton fan from tomorrow from Everton Football Club? And it can be as drastic as you want. Like, do you want Mr. Well, Shirley just, locked just up? Like, well, <laughs> just on what you said there, in terms of there's only half a season left to go, I, I just think Everton aren't competent of doing that. Now, by that, I mean... People will say, okay, if we go and get the best manager you want, you could go and get Jürgen from you guys, you could go and get Pep Guardiola from Manchester City. <coughs> First and foremost, the squad we have is not capable. It's not a Premier League squad. And that'll be controversial if there's any blues listening to this because they'll say to me, yeah, but you know, you look how, how, how the, the players we've got have done well, either where they've came from or when we've had decent a, a decent season and whatnot. But... I mentioned it a little bit before with the likes of just a gay who just doesn't, don't even look like a Premier League player anymore. The recruitment is ultimately what will take Everton down as much as the board itself. The board itself, we can't sign anybody with any money. We can't go and get, in theory, we can't go and get a manager and pay for their contract at another club. A lot of people today have mentioned Thomas Frank. I think he's going to be a top-class manager at a top-class club. That's no offence to Brentford, but he's doing a wonderful job there. What would I like to see tomorrow? Um, I don't know if there's there's no coincidence that me and Joe are on this together. It it looks like, and it's been said already that by several sources, that Mashiri is going to go and speak to Bielsa. And I had a really big, long discussion on our previous podcast this afternoon about this, saying that I think Everton are twisted in between going and getting a manager like that and what he does and what... His, his theory is the way in which he manages clubs. Like, like Joe says there, what he did at, at Leeds is phenomenal. The way in, in which his style is brought about is ridiculously unique. 18 games, is that going to keep Everton up? Absolutely not. And again, it's it's something that I can't believe I'm saying. But we actually need somebody similar to what Allardyce did with us. Now, we really know we need as much trouble as we are now. When Allardyce came in, and that's what Sorry, I'll... But, but hold on, can I ask you? You need someone like Allardyce, yeah. right? Are you ruling out this romantic appointment of an ex-Evertonian because he gets the club? Because I think... That, and, and I'm not saying that to slight Everton, because I don't believe that these romantic appointments are any club walkout. No, you're spot on. I mean, I get criticised a lot because I'm I'm no massive fan of, of Duncan Ferguson. I mean, I, I remember when he, when he was retired and on his testimonial... Yeah, the club's website itself was you had to vote for his top three um, moments as an Evertonian. The first two of them were sendings off. I, I have I have no real regard to him. I know I know people adore him and love him because of the condition. The condition it's like, it's like a vote for Rory the last best moments and two of them are throw-ins for fuck's sake. <laughs> but in, in, in the serious note amongst all that. I can understand why people loved him. I loved him when he played for us because he was the one sort of shining light we had in the likes of 94. When he first came in, he was this hard guy. And he's, let's face it, all of us look a hard, a hard case of a player that we've had. All of us love that. Um, you know, you think the likes of love Keane at United and everybody, the shirts and all that stuff. There's a, there's a part of that in everybody, I think. But not that much of me seeing him as a manager because apparently he left the football club to go and pursue man- management away from Everton. Same way as Unsworth done that with Oldham. Mm. Duncan's not found the role yet or done a role. I'm not sure what that, how that is or why. 
But the fact that so many consist with he needs to come in because he's our saviour if you give him the managerial job for a while. It, it That was pulled upon because of the first season he came in. He, he I think we won three out of four. We had that great game at home against Chelsea. He's running along the, the touchline, hugging the the, 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 uh, the the kids who are there to help him out and all this stuff. And It's all like, it's the most Everton you could ever think of in that way of Duncan Ferguson scores goals in the derby and all that. It fell into that category. The second time he did it between Lampard as well, it wasn't so successful. But again, still, people maintain because he's an Everton fan. But like you rightly say, get us. I'm uh, I'm, I'm no fan of that. And I'm, I think you're right. I don't think it works at all. It's, but going it's back a... to what I was saying there about, um, <clears throat> about the Bielsa thing, because I think ultimately a lot of us would like him at Everton because it's... I think a lot of us are so sick of the football club. It's the ride that you want from being a fan. And I think he obviously does provide that. Even if we went down, keeping him at the club, that's the ride you go for. That He'll sell tickets, that sort of thing. And nonetheless, he's a top-class manager too in the career he's done. I heard today as well, and Joe might well be able to correct me here if it's wrong, that he's never taken over a job in football that hasn't been the start of a season. Yeah. Mid-season, yeah, I think he's never done a mid-season job, has he? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He's, he's that's why when I read it, like for <clears> me, <throat> I don't see it happening just because he has yeah. certain requests and demands put on the board. And but, like but, you've said but is yourself, he, but, but is is the reason he's being touted as it is he's the sort of guy that would come in and go, I'll do eighteen games, I'll keep you up, I'll walk away. Because I the think bigger the opposite issue, of that, though, Gav. I but think the big, the but that's opposite. the biggest issue for me because no matter, look, if you bring in a manager, right, Sam Allardyce, just for argument's sake, and I, I, I don't know if we go back down that road, but if you bring Sam Allardyce in, you go, Sam, we're giving you a contract for five months, okay, regardless of what happens, in five months you're gone over here, interim manager, right, whatever, and we stay up, great. If we go down, you know. That's the way it goes. You could do something like that. And Bielsa might do something like that. I'm not too sure. But the problem is, if you're looking long term, you have to find a manager that can manage in the Premier League, right? Keep them up and then have to deal as a manager with trying to basically sort a board on an owner out. Or if they go down, willing to go into the championship or everything, who would be absolutely hamstrung financially. So the appointment is massively difficult. Because not, it's not just a case of yeah. our Everton are twelfth, they won't go down, um, but we need someone to have a look at this squad. A bit like, you know, um the guy that came in at United, um he, he was meant to be Klopp's da because Klopp learned everything off him. Do you remember? What was his name? <laughs> Ranyuk, man. Ranyuk, yeah. He was Klopp's well, He's da Jesse Mars da. Oh, he's everyone. He dad. actually is. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He yeah. actually is, though. He he took him to uh, uh, Salt. He's an actual Yeah, he's, well, he no. was everyone's <laughs> yeah, dad no. when he turned up. Uh, you know, but, fans told yeah. you he was like everyone's dad. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's in Moscow now, having a lovely time. But okay, back back on what you said there about about Bielsa, there's only one person, and again, it's something that I thought I'd never say. Same as what I've referred to there with with Sam Allardyce. It's Sean Dice that ends up with awesome. the Everton job ultimately, I think, yeah. mate. Yeah. But I was You'll saying to Joe before we come on that Sean Dice at Burnley gets them relegated, right? With a full season. He got sacked last this right. time last year. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, well, he's, he's he's basically last season's Lampard, right? But not only that, not only that, he's he's the man that probably shouldn't have been at Burnley because he had massive issues with the ownership, and the ownership where. 
basically letting players go on a free without telling them. You know, and doing all this sort of stuff. Now, how does Sean Dyche walk into Everton, who financially hamstrung because of the amount of wages they pay out, could possibly go down? And even if they stay up, mightn't have the money to do anything for them next season anyway. But that that's the only person that I look at. Because like I said, we can't go and get somebody out of the job contract-wise with a fucking skin, so we're not allowed. So you're then in a position where you're like, you need, like you mentioned with, with Allardyce, you need somebody for the next five months that keeps you in the Premier League. Don't even think about what comes after that. Don't even think about what players you're going to keep, what you're going to buy, who you're going to get. Nothing like that. Priority is keeping you in the Premier League. There's nobody on that list that I saw with, with a lot of the bookies who who does something like that other than Dice or capable of doing so. Now, Dice is a Liverpool fan, by the way. So if he loses three of his first four, it'll be... That's why he wants to keep us up, though, to go and play derbies. (laughs) Okay, he loves the derby. He loves the derby. Yeah, he loves loves a few points in town before the derby. As a a fan that's down there, and I said this actually on a video of mine, Everton getting Dice is the worst thing for, for me because I look at their squad, Cordy... Tarkovsky, Pickford, Mikalenko, is it Patterson at right back? Onana. Or Coleman, yeah. Yeah, or Coleman. The, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top. Like, for he me... Love all that, mate. That's right. It's, it's handmade for him, man. It's handmade yeah. for him. I genuinely think it is. And he gets results with them, especially at Goodison Park. But the thing is... Right, so they go back down this dogs of war fucking route, right? But the the thing is... The only thing Deutsch is going to... The only thing Deutsch is going to bring to that team above what Lampard has been doing is is probably a bit more passion. He's not going to bring more football to you. He's not going to bring more... You know, um, they're going to be more creative. They might be a bit more creative. Dice is better than Lampard. But I know he's better than Lampard, but (laughs) you have to understand what you're dealing with here. What's going to happen here is if Dice comes in, and listen, I'm not saying it'd be a bad appointment. Rumour is Mm. is that he's not on the list. Some are saying he is, some are saying he's not. But what you're dealing with here is is that if if Sean Dice takes the Liverpool job, or the Everton job, right, and goes and gets beaten by heavily by Arsenal, right, and gets beaten in the derby, and they don't have any shots on goal, you... I'll bet your bottom dollar their Everton fans will be telling you after two games he's not playing ever he's not playing any football we're not having any shots oh, and yeah. it's, what, why do we sack Lampard this is what's going exactly. to happen but, but what as Everton from in my opinion as a football club need to come out tomorrow morning and say listen we are not going to make a long term appointment on this job because we don't know what's going to happen we are in a and just be honest say we are in we are in five months to more or less save ourselves so what we're going to do is we're going to bring a man in we're going to be very open we're going to bring this guy in he's going to come in for five months he's no interest in the job after that but after five months we're going to know if we're up or whether we're down and if we're down we'll make a long-term appointment there and if we're up we'll make a long-term appointment there but the big problem is everything can't make fuck all promises to a fella for five months or a fella for five years and that is the problem because it's, they're playing with their hands high behind their back because well, where, how do you improve this squad? How do you improve this squad <coughs> and generate money off this squad? Anthony Gordon, Cody's on loan, yeah. right? Tarkowski came well, in on a free, yeah, but then you're losing probably your best centre-back. Pickford, right? No, I'm not a big fan of Pickford, but Pickford will command a bit of fee. But yeah. then you need to bring in another goalkeeper. The, oh, you need someone that's going to come in and go, that loves being in a long-term mess and trying to figure out does Rubik's cubes, you know, on his on his lunch break, stuff like that. It's just I just find that it's not just basically bringing a manager and it can all be sorted. This can't be sorted long term by appointing a fella tomorrow. It just can't. 
which is therefore why I, I've said I think we're down because I don't think you're going to get Dyson who's going to try and get your nil-nils every week and one-nil victories if you can. I, I don't think we have the squad to do that. You, The way Joe referenced it, the, the various players who we will enjoy to work with, Tarkovsky will be his best mate because he was at Burnley with him. Cody loves playing in a three. He'd happily play McNeil. back five all day long. McNeil. He'd happily do that. The things that fans won't stand is watching that at Goodison Park and if everyone were 1-0 down or drew 0-0 against Leeds, say, in, in a few weeks, they'd still boo it off the pitch because it's not the Everton way. That It's not a criticism of our own fans because I get killed for saying it, first and foremost. <laughs> you guys know there's a form of your club historically, the way in which fans love to watch. You said that saying, dogs of war. Many people want that because they think that's the thing that keeps us up and that's the thing that will eventually earn us a, a decent season and maybe battle for a trophy or two. That's the Everton way. Or was the Everton way to a certain point before we were winning the title in the 80s and stuff like that. I actually think that a lot of people need to take a step back from this, look at the situation and think, wow, we're in so much shit here, guys. We just have to bite the bullet regardless of what it is and get us kept in this league. Then in the summer, start looking at it again. Um, and that is why I don't think you can go and get somebody like Bielsa and people are talking about Thomas Frank. and you, 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 Like you've said there, Manji, there's more chance of me coming over and giving you a headlock, mate, the way if Everton put out a, sp- a speech tomorrow that said we're, we're going to get a, a manager in for five months. They're never going to do that. And more to the point, we didn't speak about this that you referenced earlier about Machiri that I didn't mention. It was the ridiculous, well, 10 days ago when he comes out and backs Frank Send. Lampard. But, well, first, yeah, he sends a letter to the fan base. Yeah. <coughs> basically say, I've always done what fans want, want to do. When the only thing, essentially, that all of us did was say we don't want Benitez for the obvious reason. Then goes and speaks to Jim White. No idea why he does that anyway. When last year he said he wouldn't be doing that anymore. Comes out and talks to him and says, oh, I'm, I, hope, I hope fans really... Appreciate what I do because I'm putting in. I've always put in investments and stuff like that. I I think there's two theories I've got about this man. One right now, and you 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 referenced it a little bit, Gav. I don't think he gives a shit. Or two, he's actually an idiot. He's actually an idiot that has had no clue of football. The danger. I think I, I don't know if you guys saw it before we started. I think the Usman have sanctions kill him. I that, think he that's him. A, that that to me is like very. I don't know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that's gone on, no doubt at all, with the USM sponsorship stuff and all that stuff. But I don't know if you two guys before we came on saw what Carragher was saying about uh, have a look at it on Monday Night Football. It's absolutely brilliant on Everton. Absolutely brilliant what he said. And he said the real issue Everton have was with corruption and his relationship with Machiri. A lot of people won't wouldn't go as far as exploring this, but. He's come out and been the, the person that's been behind so many things at Everton because he, he was told that everyone referred to him as being Machiri's right-hand man because of the players he signed that were related to him, but also giving him advice on how to run a club. And, and, and Carragher speaks so well on this, and I think it's spot on. But you've, you've got somebody that comes to your club with billions and billions. And again, both of you will know this in, in reference to the years gone by where you've had owners that you don't want at your football club. I don't need to bang on about that to you too. 
But when you've got somebody who doesn't know what they are doing, yet is he won't sell the club because he's put too much money in it, firstly. And secondly, he's got the stadium. That's the only time you're going to look at getting rid of him. What can he do before that? Well, you look, all we can do, like you said, is sell players. We've got eight days to do that, get a new manager and sign other players. It's, yeah, you know, it, it, for me, it's, for me, it's, it's something that, it can't be solved now, mate. It can't be sac- solved. Yeah, yeah, I see your point. If you're sacking, if you're sacking Lampard, not only because of what's on the pitch and what you need to move around there, the financial restrictions and what's going on with owners and board, it probably should have been a first or second January job, and then you can go and get just give yourself a month to try steady it. But it's, I'd, I'd love to have you both back here in about a month's time, and we see where Whenever we stand. Whatever you want, mate. Um, because I really will. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the question to you, right? Because I have to. Bottom three, who goes down, Joe? And you can change it in a month's time. But Joe, go on. I think it stays as it is. Bournemouth, and not in this order, but I think it's Bournemouth, Southampton, Everton. Okay. That's what I'm hoping. I I think it will as well, yeah. Okay, no worries. Dave? It might be boring to people, but I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. And I'd be really, really surprised if I don't say that Everton in the bottom three the next time we talk. Okay. Um... I, I just think it's such such a difficult situation for everything to be in and make a decision that gets them out of this and not only gets them out but tries to not not just this season get them out of a rut that they're in. You know, it's just us, how... us three can make the, the the important thing is us three could make a better decision than the ones who are going to make it. That is the problem this football club has. Yeah, and 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 I think I think that's I think that's what the issue is here. You know. We talked earlier about and Liverpool. If you go on Liverpool and Liverpool have sleepwalked into a situation where the midfield probably needs does need upgrading, and you're kind of going, Well, we're in this situation now, we're going to do something about it. And Liverpool are looking at that this month, or Liverpool fans are looking at it this month, going, We have to do something. Um, but that's the drop in the ocean compared to when you stack it up, whatever they're up, not only what they're up against and what they're trying to do, but what's at their disposal or not at their disposal to try to do it. I think it's crazy. Um, but I, do, I don't know. Um, I'll probably have to answer this in a month's time. Right now, I think the bottom three, I think I agree. I think they are the bottom three at the moment, aren't they? And I think you can make cases for others around them getting out of it. But at the moment, I don't know if I can make cases for them. Um, Red Steve says, and he said this earlier, but I kept it, Red Steve, because I know you give out if I don't. He said, Gav, it does, it does you good to see outside those red-tinted echo chamber once in a while. Thanks, Steve. Um, so you can ask the, <laughs> so you can ask the lads. Um, he just wants me to talk. Honestly, I would talk about Premier League all day with Everton, Leeds fans, anything. Um, honestly, I, lo- I love it. And it is a nice break, Red Steve. You're right. But he says, ask the lads, knife or peeler? You're peeling potatoes, lads, spuds, whatever you want to call them. Do you use a knife or a potato peeler? Joe? I don't What's really, a cup of potatoes? Uh, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't cut potatoes, me, mate. It's not my bag. Hold on. I Joe. do cook, but... Joe, 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 do you eat potatoes? Yeah, but I don't... I, do you leave uh, the skin on them, Joe? No, like, if I have a Sunday dinner, it's not made by me. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't do the mashing or all like that. But I can cook, but I just haven't ever... I probably so, have Joe, if I handed you a big bowl of potatoes and said, <laughs> Joe, I need mash, would you go for the sharp knife? Or would you go for nah, the peeler? No, I'd have to peeler? go for the pe- peeler. It'd yeah. have to be peeler. Would you Cheers. peel them in the sink, Joe? Um, 
I don't well, what I'd just peel them in the bowl you gave him me. <laughs> nice job. Nice because yeah. if you peel them in the sink, I think there's something mentally wrong with you. Um <laughs> Dave, but they up here, knife, sink. It, it'd be a peeler and it'd be a, in a bowl. Okay. Because you know, I, th- I think as well for, for the more convenient time, if you're sitting there watching the TV on a Sunday afternoon, you know, you don't want to move out of what you're doing. You can sit there. Co- <laughs> oh, right. You're, so you're watching the EastEnders Omnibus with, with oh, a ball right, of potatoes on your, on your lap. EastEnders Omnibus. There'd be an afternoon game on a Sunday afternoon. Okay. Nothing better if you've got to cut some spuds that you can sit there and watch the game. Okay, good stuff. Uh, both potato peelers definitely not in a sink. One in a bowl. Joe's not doing it. He's like, I don't do that. I've never seen mash before. It just appears on my plate every Sunday, um, which is amazing. No, we just eat. We just eat smash, mate. Stick it in <laughs> yeah, bag. Yeah. yeah, we just heat it in the bag and then we just pour it out. And uh, well, how bad does it make you sink when you leave the uh, the potato skins in there? Oh, horrendous. It makes, you, it makes your hands feel horrible. When horrendous. Because I, I do them on the on the kitchen counter. I peel them onto the kitchen counter. And then I swoop them up. And then the second part of the question always is, how do you get them from the kitchen counter to the bin? And you're no matter how well you think you've picked up these peels, one always falls on the floor. And you can hear it hitting the floor. When you hear it going, well, fuck you anyway. Every week, I, this doesn't work for me. So, <clears throat> but this is just m- my brain. That's not a question from Red Steve. That was a question from me a couple of weeks ago. But Red Steve likes to ask all oh, guests. The other, the other problem I had a couple of weeks ago, of course, was uh, my ability to butter bread has dropped significantly in the last couple of months. And it's something I'm really, really struggling with. But listen, that's for another day's show. Um, that has been winners and losers. A big chat on Arsenal. Well, a little chat on Arsenal. Where's the winner? Side. Huh? Where's the winner? No, there's no winners this week. Um, it's me because <laughs> I didn't have to talk about Liverpool. Um, but we had a chat about Arsenal. We had a medium-sized chat about Leeds. We had a big chat about Everton. I'm definitely getting Joe and Dave back in a month's time to see where they are. In Gav, the quick question. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm. What are your thoughts on Gakpo? Um, Excited? Yeah, I think he's a good sign. I think he's a good price. Um, play him left side. Play him as a false nine. No issue with that. I think he's being dropped in at the deep end. Um, mm. You know, Liverpool have been extremely poor since he came in. I think he done all right at Wolves in the Cup. I think he done all right at the weekend. He scores one of those yeah, on the chance yeah, yeah. he gets. But listen, l- how many players actually come out and just set the world on fire straight off mm. for three, four games? It's actually a very small amount. You know, it and it's usually, you know, it's just one of those where it goes bang and all, everything goes off. But... No, I think he's been absolutely fine. I think he will be absolutely fine. And it's it's a bit like when a youngster comes into a side and you see him playing a league cup and you go, he looks really good, but I'd love to see him with the real players. And at the moment, I'd love to see Gakbo in a full-strength flying Liverpool team to see yeah. what he's made of. But having said that, it's, it's a decent amount of money. He is going to have to start contributing a bit more. But at the moment, I think he's being used as a bit of a utility player just to get us through where we are. But I think you'll see yeah. a difference when Diaz Jota and Firmino come back. I think you'll see a big difference. That, so. back, is it, what's the kid in centre midfield? How do I say it? Bacetic. He, he looks good, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he's the best midfielder in the world. Yeah. Like, genuinely. He's been the best <laughs> midfielder in the world in the last Joe seven days. <laughs> Go on, Dave. Can I have a question if Joe had one, mate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think I'll know what the answer is because many Reds have said the same thing. Nunes. Love him. <sighs> Yeah, he's lying him. to you, Dave. He's lying oh, to you. I absolutely you know what, love him. You know and I'll tell you why I love him. Because I, I think I thought, and I know many blues say the same thing, that he's he's pretty much Andy Carroll reincarnated. But Well, yeah. I, I, I'll put it this way. <laughs> I've said he, it, Lord, that you're he a has, Andy 
Well, the thing is, right? <laughs> when the, with the thing is with, with, with Darwin Nunes, right? First of all, they made up the price, right? You signed for sixty-four million pounds, and it was like they paid hundred million. He's not for worth that, then. Right? You are saying he's not worth that. Um, no, I never said that. I just said he misreported the price. <laughs> what What I love about him is he's different. He is different. I I went. I I've seen him once at Anfield this season against Southampton, and he was there with his wart. Like everything about him, his touch. Um, you know, his, his awareness pass and he gets two goals, his walk rate, he plays off the left, he w- walks back, he wins headers. He, he's he's mayhem. He's mayhem. And the thing about him is, again, he's in a side that have been very stop-start. I think if you get Darwin Nunes in this side with Diaz off one side and Salah off the other and a midfield that's going to hunt teams down <clears> and allow that front three to play, I think Darwin Nunes will score bags of goals. Bags of goals. And at the same time, Rashford, before Nunez got injured there last week, he'd won less goal than Marcus Rashford. And Marcus Rashford was literally being given the ball on door last week. So, you know, it's... Rashford's and and the funny thing up. is, Darwin Nunez gets injured and all of a sudden it's Cody Gakpo's the issue. It's, listen, this is the world we live in. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, his return goals and assists have been okay um, for a four season. He's missed a couple of chances. Yeah, <coughs> but then he does some stuff where you go, that's just mad. And I love it. I absolutely I have no love idea. it. Still, I still say this. I have no idea why you signed him, genuinely, because you you've got two whippets on either either flank. Yeah, who don't, who don't really want to cross the ball much at all. Salah doesn't like crossing the ball. Diaz, when he's fit, does it a little bit, but doesn't like crossing the ball. Why would you go and get a six foot four striker? I, I, I just well, I think the thing is, I think he's been most oppressive down the left for Liverpool. And yeah, what he has, he's got the ball and ran. He and gets in behind. He's he's frighteningly fast. Like he's yeah. frighteningly fast, and he's an eye for goal. And if you actually look at a lot of Darren Nunes goals for Liverpool or for Benfica, there's not an awful lot of whip crosses and headers. It's not like that. It's there's a lot of interplay. There's a lot of movement. It'll come. There's no problem. And listen, people go on about sixty-four million rising to whatever it might be. That's nothing in today's football anymore. You know, like, I can't say anything about that being an Everton fan, what we've paid for shite, mate. Yeah, I know, but then you turned down 50, 50 <laughs> to 60 million for Anthony Gordon. And then what did you do? We went and got a haircut. So what can you do about it? Um, I give Claire, Claire Balding. Claire Balding. <laughs> Claire Balding, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what, oh, Gav, yeah. though? Do you know what? I do, because I, I, I want him to come to the Prem, because he's like elite. But are you worried about the Jude Bellingham thing if you don't get Champions League? That's the big one, isn't it? No, I think uh, I I think if Joe Bellingham, wherever Joe Bellingham is going, is already decided, and I think it's been yeah, decided. FSG are going to get absolute hell if he doesn't sign. Oh yeah, because ask. because yeah. what's being whipped up in the media is that he's signing for Liverpool, and his dad's you know, a Liverpool fan of the Trent, or something. Yeah, his, his father, his family are a big Liverpool fans, and Trent and Henderson were pictured with him loads during the World yeah. Cup. But yeah, but I, I like people are saying like I genuinely believe that Joe Bellingham knew last August he was leaving. Dortmund in a year's time. Dortmund knew it. And I just can't see Joe Bellingham as a very level-headed person not having something in place. Knowing where he's been, you know, putting... You know, it's a bit like if you're leaving a job, you have another one and you know when you're comfortable and you're not getting... And look, there's going to be no... There's not going to be no shortage to take for Joe Bellingham if he turned around yeah. in June the 30th and said, I, who wants me? But the thing yeah. is, I think in his own mindset, I think he likes to plan what he's doing and have it where he's comfortable. He's going to flow through... And Liverpool should absolutely be in the conversation. But I think the conversations have already been had. And whatever he's gone, I think it's already decided. And I think it's been think decided. You, you guys will be frightening if you get him. Absolutely yeah. frightening if you get him. I'll put you favourites for the league if you go and get him. Well, Liverpool need three midfielders. But I, I think... I don't think there's a... 
I don't think there's a circumstance out there where Liverpool shouldn't sign Joe Bellingham. Don't give a fuck what the money is. Um, mm. Because he's basically, for me, watching him, and especially in the World Cup, and just Unreal, everything man. about him, Unreal. is he's, he's the best young midfielder in the world. Yeah, That's just my opinion. But he remember, might, he might, he might not. We don't know, fish. but wherever he's going is, is, is already decided for me. Do you not remember when he left Birmingham and everyone was taking the piss? The retired, the number he had. Yeah. They're new, didn't they? Absolutely fantastic PR, that now, isn't it? I know, man. And if he signs to Liverpool, Liverpool, like Birmingham will release a special edition um, with his number and name on the back of it, and they'll be like, they'll have more money than everybody. Um, Because you're you're sorted for a decade, aren't you? You get him in yeah. at a top club, you're sorting for a decade. Yeah, I is think so. Good? Yeah, I think he's yeah, yeah. I think he's fantastic. But Liverpool need more than that. And that's why people get worried because they go, Are Liverpool gonna A spend that money and if they do, have have they got anything else behind that oh, to do it? Man. But they've no choice. Liverpool have no choice now. They have to go and do this. And I keep saying it, if Joe Bellingham is coming to Liverpool, it should in no way affect what Liverpool are trying to do elsewhere in midfield. It has to be done as a once off. That has to be done over there. You know, it's a bit like Virgil van Dijk. If you're signing Virgil van Dijk tomorrow because you were badly needed centre half, you go, we're putting 100 million on him and it doesn't matter. Well, just do it and then we go yeah, over here and we'll, 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 we'll do other stuff alongside it. But we'll, we'll see. Um, the summer's a long time away. There's nine days or something left in the transfer window. Liverpool won't sign anyone. The place will be in meltdown. And um, <laughs> sure, listen, we all just go to the pub. That's just probably the, probably the um, solution to, to it all at the moment. Um, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Go and check out Just Show Football Show. You get him on Twitter, you get him on Instagram. He's everywhere. He buys himself new tracksuits and stuff every so often. He looks <laughs> amazing when he does. You want to see him at Christmas? I'd say he looked fantastic. I love a North Face. I love a North Face. You, North you bought face a lovely, there was a lovely mustard one you got a while ago. Yeah, and it was man. extremely yeah. impressive. Mate, you come in the right place with one of them, oh, mate, when you come up to Everton. Yeah. So um, <laughs> just don't wear the mustard one because if you're going to cause trouble, you'll stand out. Um, <laughs> but now check him out across his Twitter, his Instagram. Is, is YouTube and everything covers everything Leeds always has fans of other clubs on including some of our lads Kev does be on with you a bit doesn't he yeah yeah um, and of course Dave Dave Downey on Twitter uh, the Blue Room podcast and it's really really good honestly it's really really good because it's one oh, of yeah. those podcasts where if you're listening to content of another club you don't just it's easy to go on a bit like AFTV people just want to go look at them all shouting isn't it fucking great <laughs> but if you want to go on and actually listen to people talking about the ins and outs of a football club the likes of the Blue Room is absolutely outstanding um, our charity is for breast cancer research the link is in the description if you can donate please do take the take the link go and donate if you can't copy it share it amongst your family your friends your colleagues we have 12 women that are running the Dublin Marathon which is 26.2 miles which is just ridiculous Amazing. but they're all training together they're out training tonight and um, they're all training together they're all going to run it together and they're all going to finish it together a lot of these have never done a marathon by the way so it's just an amazing achievement and for amazing charity so please donate or share or whatever you can that has been winners and losers i've kept joe 29 minutes longer than he should have so i can expect a really angry whatsapp after this but i've really enjoyed it thanks to joe thanks to dave talk to you in a bit over now Podcast Network.